Welcome, brothers and sisters. You are listening to Sex Afflictions and Porn Addictions, and I am your host, Craig Perra from www.themindfulhabit.com. I'm the founder of the Mindful Habit System, and my life of colossal failures and sex addiction and porn addiction and multiple mental health issues has brought me here. Proud to run the world's only at-home comprehensive treatment program for men who are struggling and And, and, and we provide powerful support for your wife. So if you need intensive help, go visit www.themindfulhabit.com. And um, I'm really excited about our topic today. It's a complicated topic today. And you've heard me, if you're listening to this podcast, you have heard me say repeatedly, the sex is the symptom. You have heard me say, I have never worked with a client whose primary problem had anything to do with sex, okay? Um, That does not mean that there are not sexual issues. And and we're going to talk about those sexual issues today, and I'm very excited. Well, well, what we're going to talk about is... (laughs) In a second, Adrian is going to correct my pronunciation. I'm just going to say it wrong for purposes of this introduction. Martin Siegelman's Five Layers of Sexuality. But I want to introduce my special guest. If you're a fan of this podcast, you know him already. Our resident expert, our counselor, a master's in clinical psychology, recovery coach. He's currently getting trained as a certified psychosexualist. Uh, That is a very, very comprehensive certification. Oh, my God. It requires graduate level training. It requires a degree in psychology. I am so, so blessed to have um, Adrian on my team, certified in the mindful habits system. Uh, My best friend, uh, former client, Adrian Stoibnen. Welcome to the program, my friend. Welcome, Craig. Thank you for having me. Now, I, I think I did I butcher both names wrong. No, just the just the last one. <laughs> oh it's God! Trouble. Listen, I have I have a a disorder in, in pronunciation, man. I've known <laughs> this brother for so long, and um, so so tell us tell us tell us forget forget it. I'm never gonna get it right, man. Yes, I will. <laughs> I promise. Um, so so we're talking about Martin Seligman's five layers of sexuality. Tell me why this is important. Well, it is important because usually uh, we focus just on uh, the surface level things like our sexual behaviors. And especially if you have struggles in that area, um, our sexual struggles. Right. But actually, sexuality is much more complex. And just like the onion, it has layers. Right. And when you go to the core of the sexuality, you can actually understand your sexual behaviors much better and resolve them. Um, so if you go to those deeper layers, it can help you to actually find the right resolution to uh, the sexual dysfunctions or out of control sexual behaviors that you're dealing with. And um, I think that, you know, basically for every human being, it is an important knowledge to have um, so we can understand our sexuality and express our sexuality in a healthier way. Sexuality is such a powerful and important part of our lives and, and information is power. And a lot of people come to this podcast having spent considerable time, energy and focus 
listen, trying to be better, but using the sex addiction model to help them get there. And I propose that that model lacks the, um, well, the American Society for Sex Educators, Counselors and Therapists says that that model lacks this sophistication that we're going to talk about today. Um, And so let's start out with that first um, layer. Tell me what that is, Adrian. Right. So there are five layers of sexuality, and uh, we're going to obviously start from the first one, which is uh, the layer that is uh, the most biologically, um, uh, I would say, influenced. uh, And that layer is called sexual identity. So our sexual identity is our understanding of uh, who we are sexually, uh, whether we are uh, a man or uh, a woman, or maybe we feel, um, or we are non-binary, for example. All those terms uh, relate to sexual identity and how we understand our uh, selves in the terms of, of gender, for example. And so this would be in the category, Adrian, of someone who is trans. So someone who's listening to this podcast and, you know, unfamiliar, someone who's trans, this, that person struggles with their sexual identity. Is that correct? Well, I would say that, you know, we all have sexual identity and uh, people who are born uh, in the biological body or form that doesn't reflect their sexual identity have something that is called uh, gender dysphoria. And some of those people define themselves as trans. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. What a far, far more sophisticated answer. And it is believed that gender identity is fixed, correct? And not a matter of human choice. I thought that was interesting to read. Yes, uh, according to Seligman, um, you know, those layers are uh, impacted uh, by biology and uh, by the environment uh, in different ways. So the deepest layers, and the first one is the deepest layer, um, are affected by biology far more than the, the outer layers, so to speak. And sexual identity, according to Seligman, is something that is uh, quite stable throughout the life and is biologically uh, shaped so we don't have a choice regarding our sexual identity we just have it and can recognize it at some point of our life and this is a issue far beyond my expertise what i would like to share though in relation to sexual identity is that i and a lot of our clients have fetishized people who have gender dysmorphic disorder. And if that's you, I just really want to just take this space. And it was something that I had to reflect on. These are human beings. And these are human beings who are struggling. They tend to be disenfranchised. Um, They're not get. it's hard to get the help that they need. And um, I just, you know, if you're looking at that kind of pornography, I just hope, hope to humanize um, that these are people. These are people who are struggling with a serious condition and, and they need our empathy and compassion. Do you have anything else to add to that, Adrian? Sure. I think that just like um, nobody wants to be objectified, um, trans people don't want to be objectified as well and to become a, a fetish or 
uh, I would say an exotic addition to your sex life. Uh, they want to be treated as human beings, just like everybody else, right? And not as an object. So uh, that's important when you're working on healing your sexuality is to start treating people um, as people with their history, their, um, you know, maybe complexities as well, and to not treat them just as uh, your sexual fantasy or sexual object or fetish. Um, and what's different from, you know, what we usually see and uh, what we usually uh, experience uh, what is exotic becomes erotic. Uh, there is that's part of my sexological training. There was that rule: what is exotic becomes erotic. And uh, we very often treat things that are different as exotic, and they become eroticized. And that can lead to uh, harm, I would say, for for anybody involved. Yeah. Well, and what what brought me personally down that path was my own struggles and questions with the next category. What is the next? Um, uh, layer, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the next layer is sexual orientation. And that relates to um, whether we are attracted sexually, um, and some people would say also romantically, uh, to opposite sex or same sex. Um, what is our sexual, um, I would say, um, sexual focus, you know, um, on? What and, turns us uh, on? Are we attracted yeah, to, on, on one side of the spectrum, we have heterosexuality, and then the other mm-hmm. side is homosexuality. Is that fair? Right, right. And also there is bisexuality in the middle and asexual, asexuality as, uh, you know, uh, another, I would say, sexual orientation. This relates to people who uh, don't uh, focus sexually on anybody, uh, or they don't they are not attracted sexually to other people regardless of their sex or gender and um, there is also something that's called uh, I think which can be interesting in our case uh, autoerotic sexuality which is you know uh, a sexual orientation where a person relates sexually only with themselves wow Wow, 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 wow. And, you know, and this is an area where we do have men in the program who um, are, you know, don't like, like, for example, they may be in a heterosexual marriage, and they're watching gay porn, um, or they're hooking up with with guys. And that's a that's a deep, dark secret. There's a lot of people in that. um, In that category, what do you say? Adrian, to those um, folks who are struggling with this aspect of themselves, their sexual orientation? Well, I think it's a very complex topic, of course, um, but I think understanding that sexuality is on a spectrum and we are all somewhere, most of us are all somewhere in between homosexuality and heterosexuality. Um, I think that can really help with accepting those uh, tendencies and uh, maybe accepting your uh, yourself and your sexual orientation uh, a little bit more so it doesn't have to be a secret anymore and you can live more authentically. Um, there are people who are homosexual also who are in heterosexual relationships or they are having heterosexual sex. But if you're primarily interested in same sexual, uh, same sex, uh, and you're primarily, um, how to call it, fantasizing about same sex, then there is a big chance that 
your sexual orientation is homosexual regardless of your sexual activity right so it's that layer really relates to what turns us on like you said and what uh, what kind of gender what kind of person we really get attracted to uh, regardless of whether we're having sex with that person or whether we're in relation with that person or not so i think for those guys um the thing that i want to share is accept yourself if you have um, bisexual tendencies or homosexual tendencies remember that this is part of human sexuality um, you know this diversity is part of nature and you know we are also part of nature and it's important to understand you know yourself and see if you can function in the current relationship um, you know without neglecting that part of yourself or maybe you have to switch uh, you know, the uh, the lifestyle basically to a bit different. And that's a huge challenge. And I acknowledge that, that it's a huge challenge to, huge. you know, to change uh, the way you were, you were living. Um, but that's a realization that some men, not a very big per- percentage, but some men come to uh, during their sexual healing journey. I remember, Adrian, when I was at my lowest point, I am... Hooking up with men, I'm hooking up with women. My affair with a trans person exploded, ruptured. I got fired from my job. I ended up in a three day inpatient facility because I was a danger to myself. Really, really, really dark time. And I'll never forget something my cousin said to me. My cousin, my like a brother to me, we grew up together. And I remember him saying, Hey, cuz. Um, I'm doing really well. Um, I've figured out a lot about myself and, you know, I'm definitely not gay. He says, okay, fine. You know, that, 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 that's good to know. And then I said, I'm definitely not bi. He goes, hold up, hold up, hold up. He goes, Craig, and I'm going to be a little blunt here, guys. He says, Craig, you suck the dick. That's bi. That's bi. What, what what is and, and listen this this was better than any therapy i've <laughs> ever gotten in my life and i was like what am i so afraid of what am i so afraid of of and um so repelled by that label and there's value in accepting what is and knowing who you are then you can choose if you have the power to choose um, then you can choose. It's a very powerful moment for me. And I know that there are a lot of brothers out there listening uh, who are struggling with this. And if you are resistant to that word, I invite you um, to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And bisexual um, has a thought component to it. And uh, what you, <laughs> if you're doing it, then, then there's a good chance that you might fall into that category that which you resist persists. Anything to add to that before we move on to the next one, Adrian? Yeah, very important thing to mention is that just like the first layer that we mentioned, this layer is also uh, impacted mainly by our biology, genes, and hormones when we are, uh, you know, in the womb, for example, and when we are just, you know, shaping our body as a little child. Uh, so uh, it it's usually something that's not changing that much during life. And uh, it's something that shouldn't be also fixed or treated. And uh, the World Health Organization removed, um, you know, homosexuality and bisexuality from, uh, you know, the 
uh, manual for disorders, uh, DSM and ICD, you know, it's not there anymore. So if you ever come across somebody that's telling you that you should heal yourself and change your sexual orientation, um, then know that it's not possible and it's not healthy. Um, and you are important. in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. You are in the wrong place. You are getting bad advice. Yes, acceptance and embracing it, I think, is uh, the best way to go. It is negligent. It is unprofessional. And it is illegal. In some states, they have banned conversion therapy. Guys, you know why? Because people are blowing their fucking brains out. Excuse my bluntness. Excuse my bluntness, but I'm going to be, I am, I am, God, when I get somebody coming to me whose homosexuality is being treated as a sex addiction, I want to explode. That poor, poor, poor person, that poor, poor, poor person is getting the, you know, reaching out to professionals. Now, I will say this, um, there are some people, Adrian, you know this, right, who call that professional who tells them the right thing. They're like, click, I don't want that advice. I want someone who tells me that I can change. Right, but, you know, despite of, of hearing that, the change doesn't happen, and that, that's been proven over the years. You know, the conversion therapy was existing. It's, it's existing, I would say, for at least 50 years now, and uh, there are no real scientific results of that other than, you know, more trauma, more shame, more suicide, more more mental illness, more distress, more anxiety, more. I mean, there's think about this, guys. There's legislatures who aren't. As as a legislative body, aren't sympathetic to um, gay rights, yet conversion therapy is banned. It's that bad. It's that bad. Right, exactly. So that's deserves why to be banned. Deserves definitely. Uh, I agree with that totally, and that's why here we are taking a different perspective. And if you notice that you are having thoughts about, you know, having sex with, uh, you know, same-sex people, uh, then um, try to look at it as, you know, uh, not something scary, but a matter of your uh, maybe exploration, maybe your. Ex- Maybe you're uh, finding out something about yourself that can actually enrich your life, or maybe you have to change the way you're functioning a little bit in order to feel, you know, to function better. Whenever those realizations come up, I think it's always an opportunity for healing and not for, um, you know, for, for more self, self-hatred and more shame. Remember, brothers, that what you resist persists. That what you resist persists. So uh, listen, we could talk for hours on each one of those. What's next? Yeah, so the next is sexual preferences. And I think that's very interesting also for many guys who are um, trying to recover from uh, out-of-control sexual behaviors or compulsive sexual behaviors because um, very often we are preferring something that we don't have, right? And especially if you're watching a lot of porn, you may start to develop a taste for certain type of women or certain type of sex and this is what sexual preference is all about. It's, uh, you know, the shapes that you like in people, the looks, you know, the, the body parts that you enjoy the most, the uh, type of maybe angles or, or the, the scenes or the type of sex that you enjoy the most. So it's a bit different from uh, orientation because it's not about the gender of a person that you're attracted to, but more about 
you know, how this person looks like and how the activity looks like, right? So uh, in terms of preferences, you know, you may prefer pe people who are more petite or uh, more curvy, for example. You may prefer, you know, a certain position, you know, over the other. And this is another thing that we need to recognize in ourselves and I hope uh, embrace in a healthy way in our life. Uh, because if you don't do that, then what you end up doing is, you know, instead of having amazing sex life, you're going to porn. And instead of, you know, expressing your deepest desires with your partner, you're, you're using porn as an outlet. And I, so many guys that we are talking with, so many guys we're working with are having preferences that, you know, they are not really embracing in their lives or, you know, that maybe some of them maybe are not very realistic as well. That's an issue too. Um, because porn shaped them, but uh, there's a lot of, of stuff that I think we are not embracing because we feel ashamed of our sexuality. So it's good to say, well, this is what I like in sex. This is, you know, this is type of a person that I enjoy the most. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy other types of body, uh, you know, of, of body figure or that you can't enjoy other positions or that you can't enjoy, um, you know, maybe other, other types of sexual activity. But uh, recognizing what you like is important for recognizing you know what you don't like and creating really good sex life and i think really good sex life is important for uh winning with this uh compulsive sexual disorder yeah, yeah. sexual health is mental health sexual health is physical health and you know porn can really morph manipulate that preference can it yeah, it, it, it can. But the problem is that once it morphs the preference, um, you know, we, of course, we, to a certain degree, because this is the third layer. So to a certain degree, we can uh, we can change it right to a certain degree. But most of that stuff is still quite biological. So once you have the preference, it's hard to get rid of it. Uh, what we can do is to maybe broaden our um you know our uh, preferences so they will include also our partner and their body type or the sex that we're having with the partner right. grow grow and strengthen one area while channeling and directing those preferences towards your partner towards love towards connection towards a great sex life right yeah but the fetishes also are, are here and what's important for guys with fetishes is that probably you're not going to get rid of your fetish yeah. so um you have to learn how to maybe embrace it in your relationship or um, talk with your partner if that can become part of your uh, fantasy life for example but without secrets you know and if you can open up about your fetishes uh, very often it leads to tremendous healing and the symptoms uh, of you know acting out compulsive sexual behaviors disappear i know yeah, so many but... guys who have fetishes and they don't want to tell them about them uh you know they don't want to speak about them and that's why they keep acting out that shame is fueling that compulsive behavior and being honest with your partner is a very difficult thing and a brave and courageous thing because fetishes can't be eradicated and erased. They must be channeled and directed. Fair? Yes, exactly. Fair. I would say fair. Um, treating, you know, somebody who's struggling with fetishes that are not socially acceptable is a bit, I would say, uh, complex. I'm not going to explain all the details here on the podcast because that's not the pod what podcast is for. 
but I just want guys who are having food fetishes or maybe other types of fetishes. I want them to know that you don't have to hide your fetishes. Um, you can learn how to live with them. You can experience them in a healthy way with your partner, most of those fetishes at least. And there are people who are trained in, in healing, you know, and, and uh, helping with those kind of uh, issues if your fetish is not socially acceptable, for example. Yeah, in um, a great book that I've referred to many clients is a book written by Galen Faust, um, Decoding Your Kink. So anyway, just wanted to share that plug. I, we, I've had him on the podcast before. Um, great man and uh, yes. a great source of resources. Okay, let's go. I mean, again, uh, lots we could talk about, but what we're doing here, guys, is providing you the outline, the overview, hopefully to enhance your knowledge regarding um, these five layers um, of sexuality. What's next? Yeah, so now we're switching to a layer that's uh, defined much more by environment and learning than biology. And that's social role. The layer is called social role. And our social role is uh, mainly shaped by our experiences. You know, when we are growing up um, as a boy or a girl, uh, you are taught, you know, what are the right ways to behave, for example, you know, uh, how boys should express themselves, how uh, girls should express themselves. Then later on, when you're growing up and maybe you hit puberty, you know, there are certain behaviors that are accepted from boys that maybe aren't accepted from girls uh, in the society. So the society, the parents, uh, the, you know, the experiences that we're having, all of them are shaping our sexual uh, role. And, uh, you know, I think that can be uh, quite limiting, actually, uh, sometimes, especially, you know, the roles that I hear from men so often is guys shouldn't cry. Right, guys shouldn't show feelings. Guy, uh, guys should always be tough. Um, guys should always have. Stop being a pussy. Stop being a pussy. Right. Um, guys should always want sex and have erection all the time. And like, so all those myths and 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 expectations and beliefs are shaping our idea of who the male, you know, who, who the modern man is or who the modern female is. And that is really, you know, sometimes that's quite limiting and that also affects sexuality a lot. Um, you know, I, I heard so many men having erectile dysfunctions or turning to porn because they feel they really can't perform in bed or they can't satisfy their partner or they feel emasculated because they are not acting in a certain way or they are feeling uh, vulnerable and they don't, they don't want to show their feelings to their partner and that creates disconnection. That all comes from social role and the way we, you know, we understood masculinity in the past. But I think that it's important to recognize that we are all human. And despite, you know, embracing aspects of our social role, I think we can, we can pick and choose. We don't have to stick to what we learned in the past. We can take some things from what, what we learned from our parents, from society, from uh, experiences and we can also maybe shift some parts for myself especially that was a huge thing because I always felt that I'm not really fitting to the uh, traditional uh, idea of male especially in Poland I was growing up in 90s and we pretty much in 90s we pretty much still had macho culture in Poland so the guys should be big and tough and fight a lot and drink, drink a lot. vodka yeah drink, drink a lot, vodka party 
yes, party a lot and in, be interested in, in football and, and in girls and that's all, right? And I was always um, a romantic. I liked writing poems, you know, I was interested in books and, uh, you know, I, I was also practicing martial arts and things like that, but I had this really... I would say sensitive aspect. This other side, right? This other side that you had maybe rejected or disowned, um, certainly didn't embrace. And and I think part of, big part of your journey for both of us has been embracing that part. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I didn't want to have those feelings. I was numbing myself by watching porn. I didn't want to be seen as soft so I was numbing myself to look tough you know when you don't feel anything then you can always be tough right but you you get rid of good things from your life as well so you know porn became a pacifier for myself and acting out became a pacifier so I don't feel my sensitivity and you know I don't get in touch with that emotional side of myself but thanks to Craig and thanks to my healing journey, I recognize that this is a power, you know, that sensitivity is a power that I can embrace, that I can shape my own view of what masculinity is. And I can be a leader and a strong person, even if I am, you know, or maybe even more because I am emotional, because I can connect with others, I can understand their feelings, I can uh, you know, be romantic from time to time. I mean, you know, women never uh, rejected that side of me, but I was rejecting that. That was not my idea of, you know, who, who the guy should be, right? So if you are guys struggling with that, you want to always look manly and tough uh, and you're using sex to, um, you know, to, to really reinforce that, uh, maybe that there's time to kind of, you know, start shifting your idea of what masculinity is. And same for women as well, you have limiting beliefs around your yeah, uh, I, you're wrong. I, I don't think I'd be authentic if I didn't share at least one aspect of my journey growing up, um, you know, in a, a high, masculine culture, you know, sports and and feelings were for fairies. Feelings were, um, and, and, you know, feminized. And I'm going to use some terms that are intentionally offensive. Stop being gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop being a faggot. Um, you know, stop, stop, stop being a pussy because there were things that I liked. I liked art. Um, I liked um, theater. I liked mm-hmm. things that weren't traditionally masculine. And if we're going to define masculine as being brave and being courageous, then feeling and connecting with that part of yourself and me owning that I love to watch my little pony and I don't care who knows it. It's my, like my trauma medicine. It helps me emotionally and physically regulate at the end of the day. It's, it's that, that 20 minutes that I go to, to discharge. It brings me such great value. It's kind of my um, almost a rebellion against the repression of that sexual role that we were trained to play. And so I hope, you know, listen, I'm not telling you you need to like that. That, that. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that there is likely an aspect of you that you have rejected and disowned um, to your detriment. Yes, yes, because of that. Uh, um, programming. Yes, programming and the roles that we've learned, you know, around uh, sex and gender. So that's another 
layer that we really need to understand and uncover. And I think that can change a lot of unhealthy dynamics in relationships and in sexual life, if you can really uncover what are what is the belief system you have around masculinity and femininity and roles of men and women in relationships. And the next layer, I think we can go to the next layer, yes, is sir. the last one, uh, which is called sexual realization, or I, I would like to name it maybe sexual expression. So those are the behaviors that you are showing uh, in your life. Those are the things that you're doing um, you know, with your partner, with somebody else, with yourself, that are sexual or erotic in nature. And part of that can be fantasies. Part of that can be masturbation. Part of that can be having sex with somebody. It can be touching, kissing. All of those different things that, you know, we understand as, as sexual are part of sexual expression. And this is where I would say uh, most of the symptoms that we can observe uh, lie. Um, we, we see uh, that we are masturbating every single day instead of having sex with the partner. Or we see that we are reaching out and having sex with other women uh, instead of focusing on, on, you know, wife, for example. Or uh, we see that we don't want to have any kind of sex. We're not interested in sex at all. Uh, And all of those things are part of your sexual expression. So looking at, you know, what exactly is my sexual expression? How am I acting? What am I doing to avoid having intimate sexual connection with my partner on a daily and weekly basis? What am I doing to actually express myself sexually in a healthy way? What, what amount of focus and energy goes towards really building healthy sexual expression? All of those things are crucial in, uh, in recovery. So we are all starting from there, from observing you know, how you express yourself sexually. And then you can see that, hmm, I don't understand why I have this sexual expression. So maybe I have to dig deeper and see the other layers you know, of the onion. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's how the journey starts always. So the sexual realization, the most fortunate thing about it is just like sexual role, it is uh, created and shaped by experiences, by environment, and by ourselves. <laughs> so that's the, the part, the layer that can be modified the most. Pretty much humans can pretty much modify almost any you know in any way sexual expression can be modified almost in any way right so you know you can choose to not have any kind of sexual activity you can choose to have sexual activity with a person that you're not attracted to you can choose to have a sexual activity with a person that you are attracted to we have plenty of choices here but not all of them are healthy and leading to happiness so ask yourself what choices you are making in terms of sexual expression and are they really leading you more happiness and growth well and what i I love about this is that there's such a great question and and it's so easy it's so easy um that is this healthy or is it unhealthy is this healthy is it unhealthy and is this adding value to my life is this making me feel better about myself if i'm in a relationship is am i embracing the reality that my sexual energy has power and it biology says it's got to go somewhere and, and and you're choosing to direct it towards 
your partner um and 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 if it's not moving in that direction addressing those issues and understanding why and what are the barriers and what are the impediments to it moving um in that direction it's why i often say we treat intimacy disorders because we as men were trained uh, um <laughs> you know we're pretty banged up we're pretty banged up and it sometimes at least in our world adrian right it takes a crisis it takes a discovery someone getting caught to embark upon this life-changing journey where they learn um you know why they're doing what they're doing um they're learning who they are in the process and learning how to direct and channel that energy in a healthy constructive way in a way that adds value um to your life and it's such a privilege such a privilege to be at that low point for somebody and say hey listen this sucks And this is going to sound crazy, but you're going to look back on it and say, thank God this happened. Thank God this happened because I've used it to change my life in so many ways. I'm proud of the man that I've become. I'm proud of the man that I've become. Yeah, that's, I, I think, you know, that really relates to that sexual role that we talked about, that men have to go through crisis to reach out for help, because we believe we, we should do everything on our, on our own. We don't even and, have the directions when we're lost. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, having that support net, having other people, you know, that you connect with and that you can reach out to is extremely important for emotional and mental health. So because of that, sexual role that we we have or gender role that we're having that we shouldn't reach out for help it takes a crisis for us to really you know smack us in the face and say well we have to do something about it right so thing that really connects with you know what we were talking about here and um, if you want to understand yourself deeply then look at those five layers and try to define them for yourself you're going to have a lot of really powerful realizations and of course you have something that troubles you Remember that you can reach out to our team, uh, can reach out to me and uh, ask questions, um, maybe by using the email that I'm going to add uh, in the description. Yeah, yeah. How, uh, well, we're going to put that in the description for you to reach out to Adrian. Um, and if you, one way to connect with Adrian is through our group coaching program. So if you are struggling, if you do need help, if you are um, in that crisis point where you, you, you know, listen, I hope this inspires you to get the help you need before it hits that crisis point. But if you do need support at that low point, um, Adrian and me and George and Sandy, who helps the partners along with my incredible wife, Michelle, we've got a great team to help you. And that's our group coaching program. So um, any closing thoughts, Adrian? Um, Well, I'm very thankful that we could have this conversation. And, um, you know, I am thinking that just if, you know, if you notice something that doesn't really fit your understanding of of your sexuality, remember that this is a very complex topic and we cover just one, uh, one perspective, one theory that's really trying to 
put a structure to our sexuality and, and, and you know, divide it into those five layers, right? So we were talking about sexuality according to Seligman. You may have a bit of a different understanding. And if you have that, then, then please share it in the comments. We're happy to look at it and, and respond. Yeah, yeah. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, ask your questions in the comment. I'll make sure that those get to Adrian so he can answer them. Um, listen, obviously, some comments should only be responded to by your professional counselor and therapist. So, so there are limitations to um, the free advice that we can give because we're only really should be giving advice to clients. That's a responsible thing to do. Um, but we can point you in the right direction and answer some general questions and direct you to some resources. So um, this is Sex Afflictions and Porn Addictions. I am your host, Craig Perra, truly an honor and a privilege uh, to have Adrian on my team, um, have Adrian in my life. Um, you know, I, I hope he knows how important he is to me. Um, I don't have many friends, and um, I feel so blessed and privileged to to call him a brother. So thank you, Adrian, for all your great work. Um, uh, not just, I mean, helping me, being there for me, um, and, and, and being there for our clients. So I'm so glad that we've got you on this team and man when you think like that time when you called like i sometimes think about that i'm like this guy from poland won't leave me alone and he is so (laughs) goddamn persistent and i said you know what this is a scholarship um case and who knew who knew we're getting ready to fly out to uh your wedding next year and god we've been working together what six years now yeah, more. I would say four, more. seven. Like like the I, year ten to ten to. My I started in I started in 2012 my recovery and I started being a coach I think uh, somewhere in 2013. So that's a lot of time. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! What a journey, man! What a journey! I'm so glad that you're honored with me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you do need more help. Get it. Doesn't have to be with us, but get the help that you need to be your best self. Life is too short to suck. Bye, everybody.